says, get that India, big boy. Welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. This is another special edition as we continue our deep dive, our foray, as it were, into the Parramatta Eels legends of yesteryear. And uh, I'm going to hand it all over the 60s this week because this one is all on you, mate. Mate, this was one of our favourite days down at Parramatta Leagues Club with our live podcasts. We had Steve Ella as the guest for the first part of the podcast, and that was brilliant. We were prepared for our chat with Steve. We uh, had all of our research done, but we also had a surprise guest because David Lydiard joined Steve Ella to come in and have a chat with us. And when I say it was our favourite, it was it was our favourite because I thought this went really, really well. David was a tremendous guest. We chatted to him without really having any questions prepared. Just This was just an off-the-cuff chat with a great former Eels player. So I think people are going to enjoy this chat, especially when you, uh, can, as I said, consider the circumstance that, bang, it was like, here we go, here's, here's uh, David Lydiard for you. Perhaps so, the, the, most, um, the most incredible uh, aspect of this discussion that we had with Lids was that we had no idea he was coming on the show because, like you said, it was all organically meant to be Zip Zip. Steve Ella uh, was scheduled by the club, which we were incredibly thankful for to have a chat with him there. But... During the course of that discussion, the live call that we had for the the podcast, we were talking about uh, completely unrelated, you know, players that weren't great that ended up being great in the NRL or first grade that didn't play in the junior reps, and we were struggling to think of uh, of people that met that criteria. And then, lo and behold, Dave Lydiard rocks up, and he he was one of those guys. He was like the unicorn that we couldn't think of in terms of meeting that criteria, and it just sort of laid the table for an absolutely fantastic discussion with one of the. Real down to earth and and nice people you'll meet uh, in terms of rugby league, mate. What a what a double act that ended up being to be first of all speaking with Steve Ella and then David Lydiard and two better blokes you just couldn't hope to meet. And uh, yeah, as I said, it was it was to me just one of the most enjoyable podcasts that we've ever been able to do, and just a pleasure to meet those two blokes. And uh, I suppose now without. Uh, Further ado, here's Dave Lydiard. And uh, David, if we can get you to join us up here. Should we uh, get things started with the most serious question, 60s? Sure. Uh, as he came up here, Zip Zip uh, told us that, you know, Dave's in terrific shape, but got to ask you about your legs, mate. What's going on? Do you skip leg days in the gym? I've um, always been into my fitness, and um, I just turned 60 this year, so I set a goal to have a six-pack to 60. My wife was um, pretty selfish because I wanted to have a pool party with um, supermodels and wearing speedos, but she wouldn't allow it. So, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. No, good answer. <laughs> Mate, look, one of the things that's been obvious when we've spoken to uh, Eels players, the great players of the past, has been the camaraderie with the team and the banter that happens between the team. How important was that... I suppose that friendships and the camaraderie within the team to the success of the Eels back in the 80s. I was just talking to the girls about um, 
It's like 40 years ago, you know, I signed with the Eels, a guy called Billy Rayner come out and watched me play park footy and I got a call from Jack Gibson and Dennis Fitzgerald. And I'm not going to swear, but I told Jack to nick off because he goes, boy, Lydia, bring your boots and beer Cumberland over at five o'clock. And I went, nick off, who's that? And he, Dennis grabbed the phone and said, David, it's Dennis Fitzgerald, the CEO of the Paramount Eels. Um, I said, please don't tell me that was Jack Gibson and it was. But um, I walked in and um, signed a contract. I walked into the Cumberland. It was Cumberland Oval back then. And, um, yeah, it was, um, it was the who's who were in there. And um, we've been mates for 40 years, you know. I was very fortunate to play in the 83 grand final. And um, I lived with Sturlow, as Zip said, for a couple of years, which was tough. And because um, I've never seen a, met a bloke that's more lazy and bow-legged than Peter Sterling. You know, like, he keeps giving it to me about my legs, but um, he dare talk. But anyway. You've, you've been on both sides of the Parramatta-Manly rivalry. What, what's it like being on either side of that fence? Because it's such... They're paternal or fraternal twins, both incepted in 1947. What was it like in the 80s being on both sides of that? Well, look, um, I've, I've had the fortune... You know, to play for the Eels in a couple of grand finals. I've um, I played for Manly for three years. I played for Panthers for a couple, and I played in England for four years. And um, it's amazing that, like you talked about, the camaraderie. Like the Eels have been having reunions every year, and because of COVID, it's been difficult. But we've got one coming up this this year at the end of the um, at the end of the season, and um, we just go up there for four days and talk, laugh. We raise money for charity. We'll, we'll pick a charity like kids with autism or homeless people and um, and we all feel like those guys I didn't do what they did, I played a few city country games and you know, won a Dallium and um, played in a couple of grand finals and I thought that was pretty cool but um, <laughs> those, those guys did it all and I, I wanted to do it all but obviously wasn't good enough but um, I, I, you know Mick Cronin will kill me for this but I, I've got a love affair with Mick Cronin because he's just the nicest bloke in the world you know like, the champion of Parramatta yeah, amazing mm-hmm. you mentioned before about when you were signed that you were um, playing a, a bit of park football at the time did you come through uh, any sort of junior representative system well here we go continuation from an earlier yeah, question yeah we, we asked this question before with um, with Joey Grimer when he was here because Joey's uh, the Elite Pathways coaching director with the Eels, and we were we're trying to come up with players who didn't have a history of coming through at the, the pathway systems, the Elite Pathway systems with the club. So did you did you play mats or ball or flag or no, anything like that? I was never good enough. I I, I tried out for the Panthers um, like like those groups all through my career. I used to win every t- 10k run, sprints, you know, like I, I was always into my fitness. I was, um, scored a few tries and um, I never got picked. They'd come up. I come up. Jamie who? Um, I, I look at the, the bit of paper on the wall to see if you were graded and I, my name was never on it. So I just go back and I loved footy and I went back and played for the Colleton Colts for out near St Mary's and um, Billy Rayner happened to turn up one day and the rest was history. So there you go. We've got Lee Oder and then Dave Lydia. And well, then the Panthers, the, the Panthers actually rang me to be on the venture first grade the week after I signed with the Eels, which was interesting. And I went to Dennis Fitzgerald and said, listen, I've just been called up to sit on the bench for the Panthers. And he goes, well, 
bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> but that, look, that's still that's a, a remarkable journey to be deemed as you said you were deemed as not good enough to play in the representative uh, to play junior representative football. Yet, different eyes looking at how you played deemed that you were good enough not just for grade football but for first grade football. It, it, is that, would you say that's uh, a real reward for perseverance of you or were you just playing with your mates? What, what do you put it down to? Look, I, I had a go every time I went on the field but um, having a coach like Jack Gibson, I can honestly say that I've, I've had some tremendous coaches in my career and I, I love all of them but we, we trained like NFL players, like we went to Los Angeles and trained with the Los Angeles Raiders. Our, our, our warm-ups were offside touch like they did in the US, super, you know, like the NFL. Um, we watched NFL games on the bus when they burnt down Clubman and Oval, so... But then we went out and did moves like the wall, like I... We'd be looking at... I would never say anything to Jack, and I, I love Jack. Um, but, you know, the wall where I scored against the Roosters at City Cricket Ground, and um, we're all looking at each other going... What's, what's this? What are we going to do here? But it worked. And I looked over my shoulder because I thought it was too good. And then Jack called me in at half time and said, Don't ever look over your shoulder. You could have given away a penalty, you know. Like, so I still got into trouble even though I did something good. But anyway. So was that the origin of offside, offside touch? Yes. Uh, back to the Gibson era? Because we, we watch teams that play offside touch as part of their training or even part of their captain's runs these days. So that's that's where it's Jack, originated. That's it. Jack was the man. All right, let's talk about something that's near and dear to you in your post-playing career. Um, the Parramatta Eels are having a two-week block celebration of Indigenous Round. How important it is to have such an acknowledgement of the Indigenous community, not just for the Parramatta Eels, but for the wider NRL? Because you have an order of Australia in regards to the work you've done in, some, in a similar capacity. Well, I, I retired in 94, come back from England, and I started a not-for-profit, it's an Aboriginal not-for-profit called NASCA, the National Aboriginal Sporting Chance Academy. It's been going 25 years now and been in the lives of over 80,000 Indigenous youth. So, you know, we've got the highest suicide rates in the world, but only 3% of the population. I'm, I'm an ambassador for Are You OK? and have been for 10 years. I sat on about seven different boards trying to get our mobs through school. I just got back from Darwin where crime rates are off the charts in Alice Springs and in Cairns and Darwin and I'm working with the police and setting up a task force now to tackle crime rates and try and keep our kids in school because I feel like I wagged a lot of school. My mum's Aboriginal, my father's English-Irish and um, but I've always grown up uh, recognising my Aboriginal heritage. You know, I'm a Birupai fella from Taree and um, and I'm passionate about youth and making sure that they have a, a life, a career, a, an education, and um, uh, that's what it's all about for me. But that is incredible work, mate. So well done on that, and keep fighting a good Thank fight. You. There. Thank you. And and just on that, David, I'm just going to run through. Every year, I like to put out my um, team of players of Indigenous background that took the field for the Eels. So I'm going to run through it. You can, you can either give me the thumbs up or... I've never been picked in one, so if I am... I'm well, here we go. Up. You're about to hear it. So I've got Bevan French at fullback. Yourself and Fergie Ferg as the, uh, as the wingers. Obviously, the zip 
man, Steve Eller at centre. Was a freak, still is. <laughs> uh, Tamana Tahu at centre. Corey Norman at 5'8". Johnny Simon at half. Daniel Wagon at lock. Dean Witters and Mark Tukey in the second row. Uh, Nathan Peets, dummy half. Bookends, Artie Beetson and Jeff Bugden. And uh, off the bench, we've got uh, Jason Moody, Carl Webb, Will Smith and Josh Hoffman. That's a pretty solid team. I'd, lo I'd love to have been... You know, we were picked for an Aboriginal All-Stars side, so I was very grateful, and Arthur Beetson was my coach in that team. I took a, the first ever Aboriginal side to England. I had a board of patrons, and Alan Jones helped me raise a lot of money, and um, Dean Witter was, was a young 16-year-old from um, his community up... I can't think of... Tamworth up, up near that way, and... Um, he wa they wanted to sign him in England, he was that good a player, but um, now I think he works, does a lot with the NRL, but um, yeah, that's a pretty amazing side. Be a bit tough getting that into the salary cap, wouldn't it, if you, had to, <laughs> if you, if you were able to pick that? I mean, this is, we're talking about Indigenous players that have just played for Parramatta, that's, that's a pretty awesome line-up, I reckon. I, I think it's pretty cool, yeah, and I'm, I'm really grateful that you got my name. I know you probably did it because I'm up here, but... No, um, no, 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 no this, this, this is a list that I put out every year, and from the time that I've started that list, you've been listed as, as the winger in that team. I wish Guru was Aboriginal. <laughs> he was one of a kind as a winger, wasn't Truly he? Uh, he is one of the most, and Zip will be laughing at me up there because they obviously played put it together when they were kids and um, I just used to stand in awe and watch Guru just smash blokes and score tries. He was, and, but he's the most humble bloke you've ever met. You know, he's done it all like these blokes. That's what I love about the Eels guys. They've, they've played for Australia, they've played Origin, they've played every, every sort of game that they can be picked in at a representative level, but they're the, they're the most humble blokes that you'll, you'll ever meet, you know. We, we um, chatted with Guru. We recorded an interview with Guru when the Cumberland throw first started. We went to his place and um, that was something that stunned me, just how humble that Eric is. And I said to him when we were chatting before we recorded, and this wasn't, this wasn't part of the uh, recorded interview, but I said, Eric, my, one of my strongest memories of you is actually in a reserve grade game when you're playing the Roosters, and I can't remember, it would have been as he was on his climb to first grade. He might, he might have played one or two games by then, but he certainly wasn't a, a regular first grader. And the Roosters had some incredible players in their team playing reserve grade that day. One of them was Ronnie Coote. And Ron Coote made a break downfield. And Eric, in the way that he did, came cross-field, chasing after him. He looked certain to score. Yeah. Eric hit him with one of those flying diving tackles right in the base of his spine and flattened Ronnie Coop, brought him down. I said to him, you probably don't remember that. And he actually then told me the whole story of the background to that game <laughs> and about how he was out on the Terps the night before because he wasn't expected to play. Um, Ronnie so Coop or Guru? No, Guru. <laughs> guru. <laughs> So, my, so. my best memory of Guru was um, we were playing the Bulldogs and I think it was a major semi and he got the ball 
And he beat like seven players, like just going oh. bang, bang, bang. And I was just standing on the other wing cheering him, like it was phenomenal. I've never seen anything like it. So, as a, as a supporter, what I was up in the um, Brewongle stand that day, and it was oh, like so happening. You remember it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, it was. I was just stunned watching it happen, and it was one of those ones where. It, when you hear Ray Warren calling it, and he's he's calling out the numbers of players that he's beating, and just to watch it unfold live was one of the most exciting things I'd seen on a football field. I was sitting, I was dead on the ground cheering with you, <laughs> watching it as well. <laughs> Dave, freak. you've proven yourself to be very humble throughout our conversation, but we always like to ask our former greats how they pitch themselves in the modern game. We did it with Steve just before. Given that you were such an intense trainer and held yourself physically to such a high regard or high standard, how would you hold up in the modern game? Where would you play? How would you uh, approach it? I think because they're so much fitter, stronger and heavier now, like I know Zip said he played at 72 or 78 kilos. I'm 78 kilos at the moment and I've had an ankle reconstruction, shoulder, knee, I've got to go and get another knee replacement. A couple of broken jaws, cheekbones. We were light and we got knocked around back then, but today's game is just a different kettle of fish. Like, tackles. I, I feel a bit sorry for how these boys are going to end up in, at the end of their careers because I know you mentioned a fellow from the Broncos um, who's not well, motor urine disease, Carl Webb oh, at the moment. Carl very Webb, yes. and I'm good mates with Webby and I'm um, trying to help him out as well. But um, yeah, it's a different, it's a, it's, like, it's a different game now. It's, it's a very brutal game. That we're, I won't say brutal, but it's, they're a lot fitter. Like Zip said, we didn't do weights. We just did um, long road runs and lots of push-ups and and tackled tire tubes and stuff like that. That was our that was our training basically back then. So a lot different. I think I would have loved to have seen a match race between you and Josh Addo Carr. Would you feel the same way? I was very. I had an Olympic sprint coach, a guy called Mark Garner's dad. Mark went and ran in the Olympics, and um, I used to do a lot of sprint training. And the only reason I did that was to get away from big blokes. <laughs> so, that's a, good, that that's a very good answer. Yes. <laughs> so, um, same question to you that we asked of Steve. If there was only one memory of football that you could keep of your, of your whole career, what would that be? So many, but um, obviously, I think it, it's one memory, but winning the, the Daly M Rookie of the Year in 1983, my first year of first grade, winning the grand final, beating mainly 18-6. Zip says to me with about 15 minutes to go, Liz, you're going to have a big night tonight. So we did have a big night. And um, yeah, getting the photos taken with all the boys holding that trophy up. We didn't have um, rings now like they do. Ray Price is trying to fight to get us um, grand, grand final That's rings. But, very um, fair fight. Very yeah. fair. So it was a... I, I, I can't go past that one. And what about today? What's your what's your tip on today's match? I got absolutely slammed by Eels supporters because I know and I love how passionate they are. But um, I played at Manly and I made some good friends. Desi has us the biggest tight ass in the world. He won't pay for anything. So um, <laughs> good luck getting anything out of Desi Hasler. But um, I'm, I am good mates with those guys and and. It's like the Panthers are playing in Dubbo now. I'm up in Dubbo tomorrow, but um, I'm still good mates with all the guys like, like Greg Alexander and Roy Simmons. I played with those guys. You know, it's 
you know, to have friendships 40 years later is um, pretty phenomenal, really. So have you got a score for today? Are you tipping Parramatta or Manly? 100%. Like, I can't not. Good man. I can't not. Good man. I've, I've got to do an acknowledgement of a country, and um, it's the Parramatta's, a, you know, a, a, an Aboriginal name, so it's... Um, uh, it's where, it is where you, the, as where a, the as eels a lie. They say that's yeah, where, it, it is a really cool part of our, our yeah, history. The fact that hundred percent tied to the locals. It's the second oldest place in the country in in, in our Aboriginal history. So yeah, it's and, and representing the oldest continuing culture. And I'd like to thank Michael Basson up there, who's um, does a great job with the eels and uh, fantastic what he does. And he's a big supporter of our Indigenous communities and. Um, does a lot of work with me and the space I work in as well. So, you know, he's a, he's a really good man. You should get him up and do a podcast with him one day. So There we go. He, he's a good man, Bass. I, I believe even in his younger days, he kept Jared Hayne out of uh, the fullback spot. So uh, he was a fair player, I believe. Maybe we'll go and visit Jared in prison. It's very sad uh, that that's <laughs> happened. But anyway, that, we won't go down that road. Liz, you're an absolute legend. Thank you so much for all the work you've done post-career. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me up here, guys. I really appreciate it. I love, I love your work. I love the podcast. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Best of luck of all the work you continue right. to do, mate. Cheers, you guys. Are, thanks, thanks mate. Ladies and gentlemen, David Lydiard. Well, let's get off the stage. And uh, on that rather fantastic note, I think we're going to start wrapping things up, 60s. Mate, I, I look, I'm looking forward to a great game this afternoon. Uh, I think that... We're going to be in for something special over there today. The Manly side's in great form. There's nothing better than having a match between Parramatta and Manly when both teams are offering so much out on the field. I, I would imagine we're going to be close to 30,000 people over there at Bankwest Stadium this afternoon. If there's anybody in here today that's never been at Bankwest Stadium for a match, you're in for something absolutely special with the atmosphere. So have a great day, everyone. Can I remind you that there is the game day survey that uh, we'd appreciate you filling out for Parramatta Leagues Club. It's all about what the Eels, uh, what Parramatta Leagues Club does to make the uh, Leagues Club the home of the Eels in terms of the match day program. And don't forget, later this, uh, later this evening after the match, we've got Timmy Manor speaking again with Steve Ella. So uh, thank you again, everyone, for being with us. We're the Cumberland Throw, and uh, we hope you uh, visit our website and have a listen to our podcast, read the articles. Otherwise, we'll catch you guys here in a few more weeks for another live show. So thanks yeah. for putting up with us for a little bit, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye.